0: Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, a pleasure. And I've got such great respect for all y'all and uh, the team here. And it's exciting to watch the growth happening in this place. If you're visiting, you know, you, well, first of all, thank you for the people that came from Morningstar and from KBA drove here. Appreciate you guys coming. And uh, if if you're here, maybe consider this is your, your place to come. I want to speak today. I've got my... Uh, in the back helping me with the slides, the three keys to restoring kingdom power. Now, let's, let's pray, but let's pray earnestly. I mean, coming to church is great and uh, worshiping is you know, good, but if there's not a power of the living God, if there's not a belief that something came and touched Jesus when he was stone cold, dead in the grave, and rose him again, if we're not believing in something to transform this world, it's just kind of coming together. So, Father, uh, just just in, in your mind, listen, I, I I sense this morning that there could be harassing spirits. Um, I want to pray for that at the end. But especially you can note, as you're getting into worship, if there are these stressful and... Uh, onerous thoughts that start to hit you especially as you're pressing into bible study and pressing into the spirit i'm I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand but i'm going to just pray against that right now that you be given the right and the freedom to hear from the living god because that's not your voice it's the voice of an enemy so lord right now that there be freedom to hear your word freedom to respond freedom for our lives to hear from heaven direction and, and to see you more clearly. Freedom, Lord, right now, Lord. Lord, and I do pray for your servant as I speak that you would be here. So three keys to kingdom power in Jesus' name. Amen. Just I'll touch the highlights of Gideon's story for those of you that uh, might know the story. It's familiar to you. Gideon was in, living in a time, and I just put a couple of highlights on there. The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the first part of the story is that they weren't there without any fault. There was a reason they had that problem. Now, God sets both the prisoners and the captives free. Captives, something happened to you through no fault of your own prisoners. You're there for a reason. And, And many of us have things in our life because of us. It's not the devil. It's not God. I've made poor choices where I put myself in a situation and I'm reaping the, the aftermath of it. But that's okay because even though the devil would say you're out of you know, his will or you can't be redeemed, God sets free the prisoners and the captives, amen. I was a prisoner. I was in the position I was in because of my own acts, not Brian's or Pastor David or anybody else. It was me. And so that's the situation, and it says, and then the Midianites were so powerful that they kept oppressing Israel. Now listen to how sadistic this is, that every single time they started to get a little bit ahead, they grew crops or they uh, had a few sheep, these Midianites would descend, and it was like there were so many of it, it was like dust covering the land. And they took, raped, pillaged, they took everything, and then they would leave. Now, I know that there may be some in here, and you say, Dave, I can relate to that. It seems like every time I'm trying to get things together, right at that point of breakthrough, something comes. Uh, An unexpected bill comes, or something happens. I just can't seem to get there. Imagine this over and over again. So that's where we pick up the story of Gideon. It says that they were so impoverished that they cried out to the Lord. This, my friends, is the grace of the living God. You see this in the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son takes his inheritance, squanders it, and, and the Bible's clear about what he squandered it on. He squandered it on prostitutes, drugs, drinking. And when he's out of money, listen to the mercy of God. He's out of money, he has nothing left. And then it says there arose a famine in that land. Dave, isn't that adding insult to injury? I mean, the guy's already done. No, if it wasn't for that famine, if things didn't get hard enough, he wouldn't have cried out. If, If God's mercy didn't call a famine on that land, that would have been the end of the story. He would have lived in misery and died that way. But because it became so hard, He had one solution alone, to cry out to God. And that's where we see this now. It became so oppressive that the Israelites had no choice. Often you see that cycle in in history and in people's lives that... They start to get prosperous. They're doing all right. Their family's going well. They start making terrible mistakes, terrible things. All of a sudden, they start plunging down the hill. They come to a point where they're, you know, uh, busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. And at that trough, they start to call out to God again, and they start, God starts to raise them up, and it can become cyclical. But thank God, I mean, you know, listen, let's just be friends here. God isn't some insecure friend that the moment you do something wrong, he huffs off, you know, like the Holy Spirit's like, oh, I'm done with you. I can't believe. No, I mean, God is with us. Psalm 103, it says he understands my frame. He's mindful that I'm but dust. You know, he's, he's, he gets it. So in that scripture, the angel of God appears to Gideon, and he says, hey, get ready. I'm going to take you from here and I'm going to use you to destroy the Midianites and redeem Israel. And we see the insecurity rising up in Gideon. Gideon, the first thing out of his mouth isn't, wow, what an incredible thing that you're going to deliver us, God. Thank you that you're going to use me. I'm so excited. The first thing is he starts to wear his malady like a badge. God, I just want to define for you My limitations. You know, he's got ADD. He's, you know, uh, he's been on uh, public assistance. No, his thing was, God, I'm the smallest family in the smallest tribe in the smallest place. If you're not careful in our world, people can become able to kind of celebrate their dysfunction. I remember one time I, I was teaching with a great friend, Lance Walnow, and I made a huge mistake. I, in, the, in the advertisement, instead of saying, we'll give you coaching, I said, we'll give you one-on-one counseling. And I didn't catch it until like 100 people showed up and wanted Lance and I to counsel him individually. You can imagine the difference in that conference, right? There's a big difference between coaching and counseling and so we came up we you know we actually divided the group of people and we said well if we give everybody two or three minutes how long it's going to take you know how it is and we told people we said listen come ready with that thing that you want to ask lance and i that we can pray for breakthrough define what it is that you need go forward with a word from here about where you want to go listen successful people begin with the end in mind is that does that make sense resonating with you and without exception, a hundred people came in and said, Hey, before I get there, I just want to tell you last year I got divorced. And before I before I go on any further, I just want to tell you that you know that my job has been really hard this time and struggling. And the first couple of people that did that, I thought, well, maybe they had a bad time, but over and over again. No one could tell me where they were going. They had to share their pain, their malady, their destruction from the past. They had to keep going over that. Why? Because it was defining to them. Like, Merle, you can't know me unless I share with you this pain that I've been in. I'm here to tell you that if you landed today from planet Mars, it doesn't matter. The way ahead is always the same. You could say, Dave, I didn't come from the right family, the right background, the color of my skin, the government's not, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. The way forward is going to be the same. The solution is absolutely the same for all of us. It's the power of the living God. Next slide. You can get overwhelmed. You can feel outgunned, underfunded. I mean, there's things like government overreach. There's... um, liberal agenda. There's gender identity confusion. There's a cancel culture. I'm watching people get shouted down. Uh, We had had a, a company in Charlotte that just stood up and questioned if Black Lives Matter was giving their money to the right thing. They were a securities company. The next day, they lost the security uh, contract for the Panthers they lost the security contract for the city because they got shouted down by a vocal minority call, you know claiming that they had some you know something wrong with them the guy just wanted to express his opinion I get it you can feel like this stuff is out of control the woke movement's moving forward there's a rise in socialism we can feel outgunned the Lord said to Gideon listen to his plan The Lord said to Gideon, you got too many people in your army. Think about it. You know, you're going to go in and and buy a house. You know, someone's ready to buy a house, and the Lord comes up to you and says, you have too much money for your down payment. You're going to build the church, and God comes and says, you know, Pastor Dave, Pastor Moreau, you've just got too many people and too much offerings coming in. I mean, it's it's the craziest formula ever, isn't it? Like, if I were God, I would do it differently. If a guy's trying to get along with you, I'd kind of come and get behind him instead of support. But what does it say? It says, because you'll begin to think that it's your strength that has done this, and you'll forget me. This is huge. All of us, part of our nature is self-reliance. I do not want to be broken before the Lord. Jesus said in in Luke 14, he said, anybody that comes to me must deny himself and pick up his cross. Lord, I don't want to be crucified. I would really like to be self-reliant. I'd like to have enough money in the bank where I can live by, uh, you know, my income or something like that. I don't want to go out on a limb. I don't want to be the only one standing out there. I want my flesh desires that. Come on, you do too. You do, too. You don't want to be broken. I mean, because you're like, God, it's, if, if it's about sin and not sin, I won't sin. God says it's beyond that. That's like step one. Step two is dying to self. I'm like, oh, God, why? Why do I have to be so reliant on you? Why, why, why can't I just be self-reliant? Why can't I have plan B in the back of my pocket? You guys know what plan B is. Lord, I love you. I trust you. I believe that you're going to do this. But if it doesn't happen by Friday around noon, <laughs> I'm going to pull out my own plan. I'm going to start taking take matters into my own hand. You guys know it. You've been there. Jesus, I'm with you all the way till about Thursday at 2, and then I'm going to. Why is that? Why does he want his brokenness? So that his power can come out. Go ahead. Go to the next slide. It's the same sentiment that's echoed here in Deuteronomy 8, 16, 18. God is giving us a charge. I speak about this all the time because God is giving the power to create wealth. Listen, we need to get this one right. First of all, I just want to say that I hail from the old PTL campus. I never knew about PTL, but PTL was such a stigma in the body of Christ, especially as they championed a prosperity gospel, that Jim Baker from prison wrote a book called I Was Wrong, and he said he manipulated people purposely forgiving. It's a terrible thing. Everybody okay with that? We forgive Jim, we move on, but here's the deal. Whether you're preaching them for false motives or pure, some of the things he was saying were exactly right. God is the God of prosperity. He is the God of abundance. Just because people manipulated that and used that, we got to get this right. Because it says, what does it say? It's the Lord your God. He gives you the ability to prosper and produce wealth. God's into this stuff. Amen. But what does it say? Lest you say in your heart, my hand is produces. It's the same sentiment that Gideon had. So here's the, here's the odds for you statisticians. Uh, Gideon started out with about 32,000 people. His odds were about 4 to 1. That's a tough battle to begin with. But because God wants to show himself strong, he whittles his army down to 300 people. His odds go to about 450 to 1. All because God wants to take the credit. And he wants to work through broken vessels. I don't know what y'all are facing or what God was calling you to do or what your assignment looks like, but I'm pretty sure it's not as significant as 450 to 1. You know, you might be believing for a new addition on your house or you you might see uh, a, a doctor's diagnosis over a loved one or you might be looking at your bank account or you might be seeing things that overwhelm you but I don't know that it's this significant. And God put this in his word to encourage us today to cry out for a certain type of power in the living God. Maybe if I just be a little less sophisticated, I don't know. But let's go ahead on. The Lord's, oh, did I go to the right one? Oh, let me see. I'm not on the right slide here. My friend is helping me. Three keys to kingdom power. Listen to this scripture. But you shall receive power. Somebody say that. Okay, power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the the earth. And then Jesus gives them... um, In business terms, we would say this is their uh, core purpose, core value. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons, freely you give, freely receive. Well, Lord, I think I want to be an architect. Great. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and be a great architect. Well, I think I want to live in California. Absolutely. Great. Raise the dead, heal the sick. This is a a bottom line uh, call to the kingdom of God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, not because I'm a mind reader. You might be thinking, well, Dave, I just haven't seen this before. That's all right. We're going to get to that. But I insist that we look at this as the call of the living God for our lives. God just didn't write this on accident. He slipped up somehow. This is a very important thing. Jesus is telling us what to do, and he says it will receive power to do it. Let's just go a little bit further. And God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick. For those of you that have done hospital ministry or or done things like that, I've been there. People are at their most vulnerable time ever. I've had the, the absolute honor of being around people that are passing away or in the hospital. I mean, you can't imagine they would give anything they had for someone to help them. They would work another lifetime to save up another fortune to give things that they had to to help their loved ones be healed. And God says that these aprons and handkerchiefs were being taken from Paul with desperate people being healed. How wonderful is that? That's cool. That's the power of the living God. And then it says that um, Saul, who is now called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, And there's this guy, Elymas, he's hindering the way of God. And for those of you that don't think that God acts like this, look what happens in this thing. Paul turns around to him and says, you're going to go blind. And immediately the guy goes blind. He starts groping around. What's my point? It's the release of the power of the, the living God. You might think that you have an obstacle, and all of a sudden we start to focus on it, And we make the horrible mistake of making our obstacle too big and diminishing the view of the living God. And these things are not one size fits all. Each of us have different obstacles. Could be health challenges for some people. Could be your neighbor you're trying to lead to the Lord. Could be a family member. Could be a a son or a daughter you haven't seen in years and you're wondering, are they going to come back? They don't even call. God can remove that obstacle. In this instance, God did something dramatic. This isn't a story. This is, this is to encourage us. Hopefully, this puts fire in your soul. Next, next uh. slide. In Acts 5, 4 and 5, we see Ananias and Sapphira coming, and they're, um, they're trying to pretend they gave more in an offering than they should have this one always gets me Uh, pastor Merle pastor Dave can you imagine I'm like if this happened in the church now there'd be just people dying all the time right (laughs) I mean like but the purity of what was going on in this fellowship was so strong that that it couldn't be allowed the the holiness the purity of people giving It was so stark and so pure that somebody that came in with this kind of error and falsity, it couldn't be allowed. And what happens? Peter looks at them, and they drop dead on the spot in front of the entire congregation. And then it says, great fear seized all when they saw what happened. Do you think? Do you think church is going to be, like, filled? Everybody will be here at, like, 7 o'clock a.m. next week lining up outside the door. And they'll be like, I don't want to have happened happen to me. Merle prayed for this guy. He fell down dead. He looked at us. I'm coming early next week. I'm bringing my friends. Why? Because the judgment of God is part of his power. Now, I'm not going to say these, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge what happened to them. But there's, it's here for a reason. Go with me to Acts five, twelve through 16. The apostles performed, somebody say this with me, many miraculous signs. Many miraculous signs. All right, here's the deal. You, in your heart, have to believe for many miraculous signs. Your leadership can help you, encourage you. They can train, teach, and equip. But it's up for me and you, us average Joes who sit in this, the, the chair. We have to believe for these miraculous signs. I was in a meeting a couple of days ago, and one of the guys said, Ma'am, you in the second row, your dream last night was concerning a yellow car that came down the road. You live at 338 Chestnut Street. And she not only did the guy know where she lived, knew all about her life, he knew the dream she had the night before. It's a miraculous sign. 512. And then it says, they brought them with beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. And then further on it says, bringing the sick and those that were tormented by evil spirits. And what? All of them were healed. There weren't some tougher cases and stuff like that. I don't don't know what that looked like. Um, But all of them were healed. And you think about the power of God. This is not um, unattainable. It's It's not something weird. But at the point, you can see my shadow on the stage. Imagine Peter walking by and people bringing their sick. And just so that that shadow could touch them, and people are being healed. This is so cool to me. This is so cool because, honestly, from my life and where I came from, if you were going to try to give me a religion to follow, I would have failed day one. I really would have. I'm not a good obey the rules kind of guy. I'm not like really wired like that, you know. I try stuff. For, I think I've been on like 30 different diets in my life. I've got to, you know, but Jesus gripped me by living power. He delivered me through living power. I've seen the power of God move. Go to the next slide. I'm just going to keep going a little bit here. Acts 8, 38. And Philip, he baptizes a guy, and the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and he landed someplace else. I I kind of, when I read this, I always think this is kind of of matter-of-fact for Philip. Like, like Philip is baptizing a guy, he comes out of the water, and then all of a sudden Philip's someplace else, and he goes up to the first guy and goes, hey, what city is this? He was translated by the power of the living God because God needed him someplace else. Hebrews 11.32, this is a culmination of this kind of thought What more shall we say? And it tells the hall of faith, this is the crescendo of the hall of faith, that through faith they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies, and women received back their dead. It's talking about the power of the living God. Go ahead, next slide. Here's my personal declaration. I want to live in such a way, believing in the teaching and proclaiming the power of God, that if I die without seeing it fully manifest, I want to be pointing in that direction. I want to be telling another generation that there is more. I mean, until the point my shadow heals people, until the point you're putting foreign armies to flight, yes. It seems like we can be outnumbered in this world. It seems like there are issues around us. But what if God is in that same spot with Gideon, and he's saying, listen, I'm going to do my biggest revival in 2023, but your army was too big, so I had to pare it back, and I had to kind of, like, let evil get out of a little bit so that Merle and David and others here, you would always know. That it was the power of the living God that started the revival right here in this church. In Newport Church. It's the power of the living God. So you mind if I get that water from you, Miss Janet? I should have brought it up. Go to the next slide. This is me. You can find out about me at DaveYarns.com. I'm going to truncate this section. Go ahead to the next slide. I came uh, from a, you know, kind of a poor, middle-class family. I owned a bank, a hedge fund, a bunch of stuff, a theater. Um, Go to the next slide. (laughs) I'm truncating this fast. There's a theater that I own. It it used to be a demonic temple. It was a Masonic temple. Turned it into a theater for the living God in New York. Go to the next slide. There's a hotel that I owned and won a quality excellence award for and then i started giving money to poor people around the world because i realized there's a lot of poor people around the world pastor can tell you about that so i took what i was making started to give it to poor people keep going uh i started giving food that's just one load of rice i delivered to the congo with some friends they're just stuck it's, you know and there's me with some orphans in an orphanage that i helped start and gone around the world, but now I'm trying to build the world's largest prophetic community. <laughs> I've got, <laughs> this is significant, I've got 325 people that live with me full time that, that have come, that's there's a picture of it, they've come to this community. So why is 325 important? Because the smallest city in South Carolina is 300 people, and I'm bigger than the smallest city right now. <laughs> I'm building the largest prophetic community, so that's what I do. Go to the next slide. Three keys to kingdom power. So Let me me catch up here. Go ahead, the first key. The divinity, the supremacy, the nature of the Holy Spirit. Um, We read this first scripture in John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll obey what I've commanded. And I will ask the Father. And when I leave, I'm going to give you a book. And you can continue to read all about the things that I did in this book. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Listen, don't shout me down. I love the Word of God. I mean, just I read the Word of God. Watch, Nee is in China one day, and he comes across a group of Christians that got led to the Lord by who knows, who knows who. So he's evangelizing, teaching. He's a powerful teacher, and he comes across a group of unreached people, and they know Jesus. They've got crosses, and and uh, day one he said, not only don't they have a Bible, they've never seen a Bible. They're illiterate, so a Bible wouldn't do them any good anyway. They know no teaching about the church whatsoever. Maybe Hudson Taylor, I don't know, somebody led them to the Lord and then abandoned them. You get the picture, right? Day two, he says, they know Jesus more than I do. How could that be? They didn't even have a PowerPoint or a sound system. They didn't have Bibles or Bible apps. They didn't have, what did they have? The power of the Holy Spirit. When they did something wrong, the Holy Spirit would convict their heart. they say, I don't want to do that anymore. I acted unkindly to my brother or I, I offended someone. And, and the Holy Spirit resident in me, the Word of God living in me, written on my heart, starts to come out and convict me. John sixteen seven. nevertheless I tell you the truth, it's better for you that I go. I mean, I think about this, and you probably heard messages on this. I think it'd be kind of cool if Jesus was around. You know, like we could ask him about stuff. I got a ton of questions. But Jesus said, if I stay here, I'm one individual, and you can only speak to me with human language. But if I go, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. You can speak with groaning too deep for words. If you don't think this is true, take a look again at 1 um, Corinthians chapter 2, er, uh, Paul says, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. A little later on, though, he goes, I do speak a word to the mature, not in words taught by humans. What did that look like? They went to a meeting, and everybody's speaking in tongues, and they can understand each other. I I have no idea, but they reached some kind of level of maturity where human language was a hindrance to them. Just food for thought. Sorry, that's tangential. Let's go on to the next scripture. So number one, go back to that first slide. Number one, the deity and the supremacy of the Holy Spirit. God the Father sent his only Son, who walked on this earth sinless and blameless. This is a real Jesus incarnate in the Virgin Mary, walked on this earth. For my sins and for yours, he suffered. He was crucified by Pontius Pilate. He was hung naked on a cross. He was despised and rejected. The sin of all humanity was on him. He went down into the bowels of the earth and set captives free. On the third day, it's going to be coming up here soon, he broke out of a tomb. He broke out of a stone-cold dead body. He resurrected, and on his way he released the power of the Holy Spirit so that now the words of God can be written in my heart. I remember uh, when I was a young man, I worked with Times Square Church, with Dave Wilkerson in New York. I saw things that were just so extraordinary to this day. they just still vivid in my mind. But I remember David Wilkerson recognized early on, unless, well, you would call them mainliners. These were people that were shooting heroin into a vein. This, this is not recreational drug use. Cookie Rodriguez, uh, Nicky Cruz, all these guys were mainliners. And he said, the only way I could be sure they would be set free is if they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Merle, if they didn't get that, if they didn't press through, there was no chance for them. The drug, the addiction was too strong, but if they got filled with the Holy Spirit, the deity of the living God inside of them, yeah, it was tough. They would go through withdrawals. God didn't deliver overnight, but the power of the living God could set them free. I remember uh, one night it was electric. I was in the uh, ministry of Times Square Church, and Jimmy Lilly was speaking. Jimmy Lilly was a speedball addict uh, back in the 80s. He had lost some of his fingers. He was a Beautiful, giant Puerto Rican guy. And addicts would come in. I mean, I didn't even know if they, they were half-conscious. Prostitutes would be jaundiced uh, with, uh, with hepatitis. They would be yellow. And I, I would remember standing there and thinking, this is the edge of the world. I don't know if people are going to make it through the night. I, I'm not trying to be uh, exaggerating. That was really the thing. I didn't know if these people were going to live the next day. And Jimmy Lilly got up, and with a few simple words, The power of God would come upon him. Jimmy would say, Jesus Christ set me free, and he can set you free today. The Holy Spirit would fall, and addicts would be set free because of the deity, the supremacy, and the nature of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you back. Thank you for for the beautiful programs and churches we have, Lord. Thank you. Lord, these things, it's not either or, Lord, it's both and. But Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. You are the only hope for the addict. You're only hope for the things that are coming against America. Lord, there is no human remedy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a couple of scriptures there you can see afterwards. Number two, we have to stop changing the word of God to fit our experience. So if I pray for someone earnestly and I don't see them healed... And I start to say, well, maybe healing isn't for today. I begin changing the word of God to fit my powerless experience. Instead of saying, I'm going to just keep going after it. This is uh, an excerpt from Adam Clark's commentary. I think if Adam Clark was alive, he and I would be best buddies. I think he lived in like the 1800s. He was really cool. Spent his entire life interpreting the Bible, but he's got a really cool commentary. I, I read it all the time. So he says this. He says um, in Second Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power, of such turn away. Now, every time Paul talks about a problem in someone's life or a problem in the church, he gives a remedy. The, the harshest one we see is in 1 Corinthians 5. There's a guy that's sleeping with his stepmother, and Paul said, take that person and turn him over to Satan. This is real stuff. I mean, this is New Testament. This isn't like, you know, judges or something like that. You know, this is New Testament. Paul says, turn that person. So he's, you see the idea. Paul saying, this is wrong, and this is what to do with it. Paul here says, if there are people that don't believe in the power of God have no form of fellowship with them. Dude, is that harsh or what? I mean, think about it. But here's what Adam Clark says about it. He says, form of godliness is those that have a draft, a sketch, a summary, and will apply to those who have religion in their creed, confession in their faith, catechisms, body of divinity, while destitute of the life of God in their souls, and are not only destitute, but they deny that a life of power is able to be lived. From such turn away, not only don't imitate them, but have no fellowship with them, they are Dangerous people. They're seldom suspected because of their outside fare. Now, I'm not saying that, I don't know what I'm saying, but I am saying this. Paul said this thing about denying the power of God is more dangerous than you can imagine. Because now I'm telling you that there's a religion just based on your good behavior, your moral value being an upstanding citizen, and Paul said, no, our religion begins by believing that a man came to earth and was dead and came back to life by the power of God. So if you don't believe in the power of God, you're stopped right there. Oh, I almost started preaching, but (laughs) I'm going to keep on track. Thank God for PowerPoint, you know what I mean? Because I can tangent, And then I can just go like this, and then the next slide comes up. (laughs) We stay right on track. We have to seek an outlet for this power. So if I'm talking about keys to reclaiming the power of God, we have an outlet for power. So one day, so let me just make this example. Right now, you look around, there's receptacles here and receptacles on the stage. And I don't know, maybe if you're an electrician here, I'm a, a GC, but I don't know, maybe there's It's 120 volts, maybe 220. There's enough amperage in those outlets to kill you, but you don't, like, walk by and a lightning bolt shoots out and zaps you. You're like, oh, my God, you know, I got a kid again. It's there, right? But you have to plug something into it. Could it be that the power of the living God is there, it's present with us? But I have to plug something into it? I have to have such a desperate need I have to be like Gideon where I've given up plan B and I'm at the point where I am desperate and finally after I've called the doctor I've, I've gone to everybody I know I've taken everything now I begin to pray for God's miraculous power I've been there we've got to plug something into it my eyes were first open to this I was praying and praying I was I, I got a hold of this. This is probably, you know, 30 years ago. I'm like, I, I could see through Scripture God's power available, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. I'm like, God, release your power, release your power. And after a while, listen, especially young people, I was so sincere, but God said to me, release my power. Why? You don't do anything. I guess I just wanted to, like, stay in my room and feel the power of God or something, you know? I mean, you get it, right? Right. He's like, what do you want to use the power for? Is it just to be trifled with? And then I thought about it, and I go, okay, there's a group of young people that meet on this little city. They're all drug addicts and stuff. What if I go out and pray for them? Will you release your power? He said, yes. Now you have an outlet. Do you get my point, somebody? Maybe we need to plug into more desperate situations to see the power of God come. Maybe we need to seek out some things that are a little bit more significant. I remember um, this this also happened to me one one time um a, a friend of mine was coming to church and he he was gay, and uh, he came and he said, "Well, Dave, what do you think? I'm like, this is not the will of God for your life." i I had to tell him straight up, and it broke his heart and he left the church. so I was always kind of always looking in the back of the room pastor to see if he would ever come i I love the guy really did and i understood his struggle but i I had to be straight with him and one day in the middle of the night the phone rang and it was him And i I wouldn't have picked it up otherwise i picked him up i said paulie what's going on he said dad my dad had a massive heart attack i had led his dad to the lord and his dad um his dad was really sick he had an oxygen thing with him all the time was really sick but paulie called because he was desperate he said my dad in the hospital and he's they're given him minutes to live can you get there so I packed up my stuff I went to the hospital you know when they have the person in a small hospital and they're right next to the nurses station I mean that's that's the last stop right there because they, they're keeping an eye on him you know they're he's right there and he's plugged into every machine and ventilator everything I, I, I don't know what all those machines do but I knew it was serious and I was talking with him and I knew he was going to meet Jesus so I'm like hey is there any sins you want to confess? Is there anything you want me to say at your funeral? I mean, I was just being straight up with the guy. He's going to be with the Lord. Is there, is there anything you want me to do with your family? Anything you want to say to anybody you wronged? I got everything straight with him. I, I said, you, you know Jesus? You're going to heaven? He said, yeah. I'm getting ready to walk out, Pastor. And the Spirit of the Lord speaks to me. He says, he has faith to be healed. I'm like, Lord, I don't have faith that he's going to be healed. I mean, I really don't. I've never seen myself as a faith healer. And if God was going to start a guy in that business, maybe you start it like, I don't know, like a broken leg or you work your way up. Don't throw me into the deep end. I mean, this, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost to the point where it's embarrassing for you to pray at that point. Do you, do you ever feel that? You know what I mean? Like this is really big of a thing. So I stood there. I studied him for a minute, and I got off the Bible. I turned to James. It was the only thing, the scripture that said, if any man's sick among you, he'll call the elders of the church. He'll anoint him with oil. He'll pray for him. If he's committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. And the power of the living God will raise that sick person up. So I got out with a little bit of oil. I anointed him. I didn't see anything. I didn't, you know, it wasn't any flash. The Hosanna choir didn't play. He was completely healed. The next day, they let him go. His heart came back. Everything came back. But here's the rest of the story. At this point, Pastor David, I am going on the road as a healing evangelist. I really was. You know, I thought, this is it. This is my calling. I'm going to print out business cards. And, you know, because this is, to me, it was such a sensational miracle. I'm thinking this is going to be it. You know, I'll get a Wikipedia page out of this one or something. I don't know. I'm praying, and I'm going, and God says to me, you know, I would have abused anyone. Paulie's prayer and desperation invited my power to come on his dad. And if any schmuck would have come off the street with, I mean, it could have been anybody. And anybody just had enough faith to put their hand on, say, be healed in Jesus' name, I would have healed them. So, I mean, thank you, Lord, for boosting my ego with that, but. At that point, I began to see, wait a minute, maybe there are extraordinary miracles waiting out there like magnets for just some poor schlep like me to just be, you know, available. You know, it's not about a degree or how much it may, I'm just the guy that was there and available and I put one hand on him and one hand on heaven and say, release the power of God and it comes. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe we just aren't in proximity enough. Maybe we aren't just desperate enough. Maybe we're just not there. Or maybe we're not trying. Maybe I prayed for someone and they didn't get healed, and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to huff off like a, um, an insecure person and say, Lord, I'm never going to do that again. You made me look foolish. What about the guy that's sick? What about the next guy? I mean, am I willing to be made foolish enough to, to just try? Uh, next slide. Uh, I've got a couple of things for you, so listen to this. This is a biblical wealth narrative. I've gone through the real story about wealth, wealth creation, how it works, and I've put together seven episodes, and they are absolutely, I mean, this, how do I want to say this? There are people that talk about end-time theology. There are people that talk about healing. My job, my engagement causes me to talk about money. So this is the best I can do. Seven series, go to the next one. And then I have talk about faith at Acts as the kingdom because these things go hand in hand. I put these, but be- you just scan the QR code and then you get all, thi- they'll come up on your device, you'll get them, whatever. So they're $55 each, they're 110. Go ahead to the next slide. But are you gonna pay that? Come on somebody, are you gonna pay that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Go ahead. You're not going to pay that. What do you do? Go ahead to the next slide. Just an offering of any amount. See Matt, because I don't have enough time to take you through the faith course. But if you get that card, it'll take you through all 13 courses. It's just a little card. You can just go and see Matt back there. Uh, I always like to leave. I mean, I remember when I was younger, I loved to come off the stage and people are thinking how great you did and you know it's, it's a really cool feeling to, to speak in front of people and have them enjoy but go to the next slide but the the deal is as you get older you want to come off of a stage or off of a gathering wanting people to be moved forward in their faith move forward that's your that's your heart and that's what I want to do with our messages so you can see Matt Matt's got some other uh, things back there hats and t-shirts so Here's the revival that's at hand. You couldn't have planned this. Asbury breaking out the same time like the uh, Jesus uh, movie comes out, and you know, people coming to Christ in, in droves. Yes, behold the, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Um, darkness is getting darker, and light is getting lighter this is the time revival is hand i want to pray for restored kingdom power i know your pastors i know your overseers these are men that believe in the power of the living god in this room there are people that are able to raise the dead heal the sick cast out devils speak in other tongues perform miracles. Now, you don't, don't look to yourself. Don't go, Dave, well, you don't know me. I don't have a Bible degree. That's not it. We've already gone through this with the story of Gideon. It's not about you. It's about his power. We want to pray that God will make us foolish enough and available enough to be an outlet for him in these coming days. We sing these songs, Lord, here am I, send me. Well, what if it's in the middle of the night to the emergency room, or what if it's like, to people that I don't like and you know I get it you know I mean I I get calls and I'm like Lord I'm tired you know I worked hard I I don't want to get up and go and see this people every time I obey the still small voice of the Holy Spirit I'm never disappointed I'm never disappointed I, I I remember um just one time I was prayer walking and I wanted to know where all the drug houses in my city were. I'm prayer walking. And I end up just, it was late. You know, it was like 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning. I end up downtown at a bar. I just kept walking. You know what I mean? I was praying, praying over the city. I didn't even kind of realize where I was going. And I kind of look around. I'm like, man, I'm so far from home. I'll catch a, ta- a cab. So a cab pulls up. And I said, hey, can you take me back to the house? I don't have money on me. Just let me go in, and I'll, I'll give you the money. Guy said, sure. And I go, what's it like being a cabbie? Uh, tonight and he goes well you know I'm it's you know it's it's a job and he goes what are you doing out because I must have looked I think I had like pajama bottoms on or something I don't know I must have looked out of place I go I'm trying to find all the drug houses in the city so I can pray for them. he goes I'll show you where they are we can stop on the way back to your place and I'm like you know where all the drug houses are he goes imagine you get a call from jack's bar and somebody says can you pick me up take me to 330 elm street wait outside and then take me back to jack's bar and then you get a call from a friend's bar and they say hey can you pick me up take me to 330 elm street and then wait outside for a little bit and then take me back he said it doesn't take a genius to figure this stuff out pastor he goes let's drive by them now so he showed me all of the drug houses in my little neighborhood but it was from following the voice of the holy spirit who would have known to do that I always thought, like, why don't the police get up in the morning and take a cab at 2 a.m.? They'll <laughs> cut out the middleman there or something. An emphasis on deliverance. I, I want to I pray this with you. If we were to be in an environment where we could do this, if I said, could you raise your hand if you have nagging thoughts of your insecurities and you have nagging thoughts of things that people said to you earlier in life or you keep rehearsing in your mind things that you did wrong or your shortcomings or how your hair looks or doesn't look if you if you keep those things if you have these things and they become debilitating to the point in time where you get depressed about it and you start to wonder whether you're even supposed to be here on planet earth if i were to do that and people were honest pastor Hands would go up all over here. It is the lie of the devil that's harassing good and just people. I hear the enemy roar. The ills that I have done, I know them well. And 10,000 more, Jehovah remembers none. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. We need the power of God for deliverance quickly we need revelation of personal assignment. When you get a hold of the power of God and he begins to speak to you, who you are, what you're called to, what you're capable of, what God has spent time and energy putting into you, it'll be like no other remedy in your life. I'd love to pray and impart. I, I'm not sure if I went over my time, but just I just feel so... You know, I, I, I kind of have a pet peeve when people tell me to stand up and worship or sit down or kneel because I grew up in the Catholic Church, and that's all we did, you know. And I was a terrible Catholic, so I'd be standing when you're supposed to be kneeling and kneeling when you're standing, and I felt embarrassed, so do whatever you want to do. You can lay on the floor. You can stand. You can come up front. You can do whatever. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I am going to say I want to pray for the release of the power of God for you. There may be a time when you're the only Christian around and someone needs to hear. I got a call the other day and I went to the hospital to meet a friend of mine and I just happened to be there as he was passing from life to death. I wish there would have been someone closer. I, wish, but I just happened to be the only schmo that was available, I guess. But maybe that's you. Maybe it's you, young person. You're the only person that's going to be around to pray a word of deliverance over a friend because you don't know what the enemy has been harassing them about. I mean, we see terrible things going on, but maybe it just takes one of us, someone, standing in the gap in faith and prayer. So I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but let's just respond with our hearts. Lord, I want this. Just go ahead and make that declaration of the Lord. Lord, we want you. First of all, Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you lead as you see fit. I'm going to just pray. First of all, Holy Spirit, we repent of making you too small in our eyes and making our problems too big. And Holy Spirit, we're sorry that anytime time any problem comes, we go to our checkbook or our bank account or our, our medical insurance or our, our doctor instead of coming to you first. Holy Spirit, we repent. Holy Spirit, we repent of misunderstanding your portion in our salvation that through you... Jesus promised that he would write the, the laws of the living, that you would live inside of us, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Just welcome the Holy Spirit in your life. If you've never prayed in an unknown language, if you've never spoken in tongues before, if you've never had that gift of tongues where it says that out of you will flow rivers of living water, you'll speak in a way that is too deep for words, if you want to uh, have our prayer team come and pray for you, our prayer team, just lift up your hand and our prayer team will come and pray that, you know, God will help you receive the gift of speaking in tongues. And Noah, Lord, I pray that you would release the power of the living God, Lord. It's not hype. It's not excitement, Lord. Sometimes it's with fear. We're, we're, we're trembling. We don't know exactly what to say or do, Lord. Sometimes we feel like we're the least of the people that you could call, like Gideon. Sometimes, like Gideon, we feel like the the, the battle is just so big we don't even know where to start. Sometimes we've seen people pray and they've not get healed, but you calling us to pray again, it doesn't make sense. We repent of that. We ask you release us in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Specifically, I believe that there. I just want to call in prodigals. If you've got a prodigal in your life, just begin to say their name. Just begin to call their name. I had a a friend that ran a recovery center for me. He was a 30-year heroin addict. If you're on heroin for 30 years, you've destroyed every relationship in your life. No one will take your call. No one will trust you. I mean, because because of what you have to do to get that much drug 30-year heroin addict and with tears in his eyes he said Dave I haven't talked to my son I can't remember the last time I talked with him I just want to know he's okay and he's alive and I remember praying with him this true story in my office I laid hands on him I said Frank let's call forth your son's name right now while we're praying the phone rang it was his son Your prodigal is not too far off. We call them and just call their name, Lord. You're there right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, you're there. You don't have to. uh, We don't have to be there. We don't have to witness it, Lord. It's you that loves them. You have mercy, Lord. We call that in. And, Lord, we're not going to be afraid of socialism or the woke movement or cancel culture or all those things, Lord. You will give us the words, Lord. You'll help us to confront this with uh, love and peace and joy, Lord. But you'll help us to make a difference. America is not gone too far for your reach, Lord God. We bless America, Lord. We bless our country. Thanks for listening today we would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9:30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.